We're gonna get that sword back, okay? Now, is there a way of moving faster than he's moving in his cape of whatever? I guess if we had a Pegasus. If that's sarcasm, I can't tell because everything in this game is silly. Good morning, morning Greendale. Greendale. I'm Mike. And I'm Ben. And today we're talking about Community, Season 2, Episode 14, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Well, Ben, here we are. <laughs> we, both, we both looked at each other on the video feed here and uh, unmoving for a solid second of just like, who's going to start this one who's, out? Who's going to say some words? Um, so yeah, let's, let's just get into it. Uh, yes, we will be skipping, uh, outsourcing Mike Spitz this week. Uh, it does not feel super, uh, super like a good choice. So we're just going to kind of jump in. First things first, this episode was pulled, uh, from Hulu and Netflix in the summer of 2020 in the wake of, uh, protests after the killing of George Floyd, um, and uh, it was pulled specifically for the scenes in which Chang is in blackface. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the thing, the thing is uh, that we on this podcast, we are both white, and we yes. do not want to offer any sort of hot takes on this issue. Um, so let's let's just start out by saying that we both believe. Uh, I'm just put words in Mike's mouth now, but I'm pretty I'm sure he believes. I'm okay with it. Uh, we believe that the use of blackface is wrong, and also we believe that any more nuanced take on whether or not uh, the use of blackface on television or in movies is ever justified, rather than listening to anything that we have to say about that, uh, we suggest that you listen to those whom it affects. Which again is not us. Um, mm-hmm. For an entire discussion on this episode specifically by Black community fans, um, and and the use of blackface in this episode, uh, we recommend uh, listening to fellow community podcast. Welcome to Greendale. Um, they did a whole episode on this. Uh, just like us, they go through you know episode by episode. Uh, the whole first half of their episode is talking specifically about chang and him in blackface and you know what it what it means to them and they talk about you know whether or not it was right to remove the episode um uh we both re-listened to the episode in preparation uh for this episode as well um so that that's a great uh that's a great starting point um if you disagree with netflix and hulu pulling the episode uh i i highly recommend putting in a little uh little bit of extra effort go listen to welcome to greendale's episode on this um because they are actually you know people who who this issue affects mm-hmm. um and so we don't want to sit here and talk about whether it's right or wrong go listen to them and um yes. it's a it's a great episode um honestly you should be listening to their podcast anyways um 
Probably instead of ours. (laughs) Uh, But if you are not already listening, you know, go start with that episode Mm -hmm. because they they have much better, uh, much better and and more more relevant thoughts than we do. So it's it's I find it always a good idea to listen to those that are impacted by any kinds of things like this, especially when you, you know, it, it comes down to a media property that somebody really loves and may be defensive but it is very important to to kind of seek out those other you know viewpoints and certainly perspectives that ben and i cannot offer and do not have uh to find those perspectives and listen and understand and you know this episode uh because of it has you know through the you know since it came out has you know this situation in 2020 made me rethink of my understanding of how this is this is uh how this episode is is seen by other people that are not you know me and people like me um and i found it a very interesting conversation on welcome to greendale that i think is really really important to listen to especially you know as we move forward as a society that needs to kind of really reckon with the things that we create and how how that impacts people right and the, I think the only other major thought that I have on that um, is because this was also sort of in the, this was in sort of a weird time frame where a lot of, I feel like a lot of TV shows were doing this. I know 30 Rock did it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I know uh, Mad Men did it. Um, I know It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia did it. And it was this weird sort of era of like a bunch of people deciding we're going to do this but as kind of a like wink and a nod to like because we know how bad it is wink wink the important thing to remember i think about all of those um is that uh the writers rooms on all of those shows are uh predominantly white if not totally white Mm -hmm. and so you know i think that uh, situations like this it's it's a good thing to remember you know like (laughs) yeah i mean when i was talking to mike about uh prepping for this episode i used the phrase what we feel about this doesn't matter and i was he it was a little you know uh short and uh sure uh overly simplistic but at the same time you know what we feel about this doesn't really matter i mean go go listen to the people uh for whom it does. Uh, the, the the role that we have in this situation is making sure that, you know, we have a, for better or for worse, we have a platform with this this podcast, whether or not it's a ridiculous platform to have. Um, so it is within our duty to make sure that you listen to people that have a, a strong lived experience with things like this and how it impacts them. And that's, you know, uh, that was... Not not to dunk on the conversation, but the conversation was basically like, we need to make sure that we are doing the right thing by, you know, our listenership and our platform to advocate for the things that we find important. And I think that, you know, listening to those that are impacted to situations like this instead of discounting that is very important. And I think I, I certainly believe that you agree. Um, and, yes. and I think the, our listeners tend to agree with that as well, um, based on the you know, based on the interactions that we've had with, with our, our great, wonderful fans that love us and, but, but are good people at heart. And I think that, you know, good people try And of course, every, everyone is difficult, but you know, every, everyone has their own difficulties, but 
trying to learn instead of being defensive is very important in this situation, I think. So with all that said, uh, we are going to now talk about the actual episode. Um, we're just gonna, I think, skip over all the parts with Chang in it. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I specifically noticed while watching this episode today is looking to see if you could literally just remove Chang from the episode. And I think the one, the one, aside from being jokes about blackface, the one thing that he actually serves in this episode is that it shows that like your character can die in D and D because he's got that right. scene where his character dies. But otherwise, uh, the entirety of his his existence in this episode is uh, actually pretty superfluous. So yes, um, I think with that we're just gonna we're gonna just tackle the rest of this episode. Yes, just ignoring his existence, just like just like the rest of the uh, the the study group. We're just gonna ignore Chang. Ignore Chang. <laughs> and honestly, I don't. I uh, one of the points that they made on Go- Welcome to Greendale. Not to kind of di- dive into this. You can just cut out this whole portion. Like you don't need Chang in there. You don't need the jokes around Chang. Mm-hmm. It would still work. And I think that's a real disservice to the rest of the episode that, you know, the writer's room has done here. But anyway, right. that that is a discussion we can have later in the episode, I think. Uh so yeah. So with that said, let's get into the episode. Um it starts uh with a a pretty like epic Lord of the Rings style opening with like a black background and characters like fading in and out and uh posh british lady yeah. like giving there, a whole uh, narrator it's uh, it's, uh, it's pretty yeah. great born stout of heart but large of bone his adolescent years were shadowed by scorn and mockery they put a it's lot of work really into good. this which makes me frustrated <laughs> sorry not to go back to my main point but man i'm frustrated because this is like you know they worked really hard on this but uh-huh. Then they made that well, and, just terrible choice. And also, uh, I guess before we we actually get into the con, the like actual meat of this episode, this was the first Community episode I've ever seen. Because before I had actually watched Community, I was like, okay, well, I because I I play Dungeons and Dragons. I've played mm-hmm. since uh, two thousand two. Mm-hmm. So for many many years at this point, I was like, so. I should just watch a bunch of episodes of various TV shows to see how well they do D and D. And so I'd never seen community before and I watched this episode. And so this was my first episode. So like it has, it has a place in Ben's community backstory and yeah, they put so much effort into this. (laughs) But yeah, so we find out through this exposition that, Neil, uh, who who uh, spent his childhood being made fun of for his weight, mm-hmm. uh, a very like I feel kind of seen sometimes with this discussion. Like, yes, yes, uh huh. Um, I'm a big and guy. So he goes off to Greendale Community College to get a new start, but then that new start would not take hold because uh he's he's drinking at the water fountain and he hears someone say oh yeah it's over there by fat neil the name became a joke how what fat neil's happened the joke (laughs) became his life yes fat neil and neil fell again into darkness only this time his thoughts turned to an escape of which we dare not speak very important because 
it is a veiled reference to suicide. So I just want to put a content warning on that. Um, this whole episode is trying to make sure an episode, uh, commu- community character does not commit suicide. <laughs> right. It's, it's a very important episode. <laughs> like, and Man. see, that's, that's, that's why I, I, uh, I don't, I don't want to keep going back to it, but it's so f-ing wild. They made this choice that basically erased all the empathy they're trying to build. <laughs> right. I, just, it bothers me. I'm so mad because they don't. This didn't need to happen. It didn't need to happen. I'm um, so mad. So I like how I'm like, we're going to ignore Chang. And then just like Chang, he keeps it's, like. But it's hard not to. Like <laughs> the true. context around this piece of media is is here. It it exists. And we have to acknowledge it. Uh, we find out that um, uh, Jeff notices Neil uh, getting really depressed. And so he pretends to be interested in Dungeons and Dragons after seeing Neil reading a D&D book. I really and like how the narrator's like, surprisingly, it's Jeff. I mean, <laughs> I love that. she's not wrong. Yeah, the narrator pulls no punches. I would have taken literally anyone over Jeff to be the one. Uh, I probably wouldn't okay. go Pierce. Actually, well, yes. I, I mean, <laughs> Pierce exclusion is a given okay i'm gonna sorry. i'm gonna also retract that i don't think britta would notice because i think she wants to help but would not notice that in another human being sure she she would be like neil is upset i think maybe he's going through some family stuff like she would she'd notice something but she'd get it right. wrong I feel like Abed would be like, huh, he's acting in a different way than usual. Yeah, Abed would notice, but not have not know what to do with it. Right. Unless he so, can specifically tie it back to a movie of some sort. Right. This is just like Die Hard. When he's trying to make the balls with his feet on the carpet. One day, Neil gives all of his D&D books to Jeff, explaining that, quote, he wouldn't need them anymore. Um, Annie, the day planner, becomes concerned, uh, recognizing the coming danger, and a council was called. Troy, the obtuse, Shirley, the cloying, Abed, the undiagnosable, Britta, the needlessly defiant, (laughs) and for reasons that should be obvious, Pierce the insensitive, a.k.a. Pierce the dickish, a.k.a. uh, I think Grandpa Flatulence? That was was definitely one of them, I believe, yes. Was not invited. Yeah. that's it's this uh, this whole intro is very good so angry but also like again coming back to like this being my first episode of community like there's so much in this backstory where i'm like this is ridiculous like when you're <laughs> when you're not already in the community yeah fandom and you're like okay like pierce the dickish like this i don't know what's going what is going on here like it's it makes no sense. Like yeah. <laughs> as a as a first episode, this is yeah. honestly kind of a bad episode. <laughs> yeah, it does not give you much of uh you're you're jumping in the deep end pretty quickly. I mean, full full disclosure, uh I did not after watching this episode immediately go watch more community. Anyways, they invite Neil to a D&D game on Saturday and uh we find out that we have just 
or they just scheduled the most important D&D game ever. And Pierce is in the hallway noticing all this going on. Like in the shadows. It's gr- like it's great. It's mm, it makes me so mad. <laughs> We get a different opening. It's D and D style with the like cootie catcher drawings and the like, music. And yeah, it's, it sounds it's like it's good. from like this the the what is it the eighty eight? But like if it was in the Lord of the Rings, it's so good. Right. So we cut to the study room. It's the it's D and D day on Saturday, and um, a very special D and D episode. A very special D and D episode. Neil is understandably questionable about what's going on <laughs> yeah. he's like y'all so... just wanted to uh-huh it's like y- y'all wanted to play D. that's what y'all wanted to do now i would buy this in 2021 because mm-hmm. D is suddenly like kind of cool there's a cottage industry man it's wild 10 years ago it was not cool mm-hmm. so like because now I can I can mention D and D and a bunch of people will be like, you know, I've been thinking about trying that and like it's funny. Ironically, you know, this episode probably started to be the reason D and D started getting cooler. This this one episode, maybe I don't know. Who knows? It's on <laughs> okay. network television. At least it certainly um, upped its Q rating. So oh, also I will add because. I watched this episode to see because I, I liked watching D and D episodes to see how well mm-hmm. they so you could actually be like, emulate. <laughs> this is real. Y'all D&D. don't know what D and D is. And so uh, I will. I will be interjecting here and there. With, Thank you. Uh, I was hoping you would. I wrote in my notes hoping my, you would with jump my in. Thoughts on D and D. I I have I for full. I have played in one of Ben's D&D campaigns. was very good. I have played in one of Sarah's D&D campaigns. It was good as well. I have also GM'd a game that I don't remember. the Midway City, I think it was. Mm-hmm. A very small one where I accidentally just yelled at everybody. But otherwise, it was a great time, I think. Um, but yeah, it is it's a lot to be a DM GM kind of thing. So I, I want... I, I Ben is much better at it than I am. Uh, so... Uh, anyways, Abed is the DM. Neil brought, has brought his own character, a uh, character by the name of Duquesne. Mm-hmm. Um, and Abed has made characters for everyone else. And he's like, okay, choose carefully. Be- and they'll just grab one at random. Yeah. Uh, the, the module they're playing are, is the Caverns of Draconis. Which I is not a real up. module, it's by the way. It's not real. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, um, although community fans have made it real that it is feels, a, it is a playable thing now because does, of community fans doesn't that feel so community fans yes. just want to point that out like of course they did community has well, honestly, some of the do the i want to play fans. it yes i do yeah they all just grab a character at random troy is like shouldn't there be like a board or pieces or something to jenga which Allows Abed to explain for the the cool people who have never played D anD D, the normies D&D is. we like to call them. The normies. He he explains for all the normies in the audience, as though community has normie fans. <laughs> they, <laughs> I just realized what I what I did there. Yeah, um, I don't think we do. Uh huh. I think community <laughs> probably. I I don't I don't know community that anyone watching community is like this. <laughs> Hold on. What is Dungeons and Dragons? Now, I've heard of dragons before, but you're saying dungeons are included? <laughs> what a world! This is a role-playing game. It takes place entirely in our collective imagination. Ooh, yeah. Neil. 
I tell the story and you make choices in the story. Okay, let's begin. We start out with the the party standing on a country road. Uh, the backstory is that legend tells of Draconis, who dwells nearby and has a vast hoard of treasure. It's now Jeff's turn. And uh, he's like, what do I do? And Abed says, well, you, you, you tell me what you want to do. And I roll the dice to see if you're successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which, first of all, D&D interjection. Here we go. <laughs> generally, the DM does not roll all the dice. Uh, usually, each player has some. Now, this makes sense in the context that, like, they're not D&D players. They probably don't have their yes. own dice. But also, I heard it said, I think Dan Harmon explained on an episode of Harmon Town. I have no idea what you're talking about. So, yes, of course. Some Somebody told me uh, that the, the reason why Abed... The uh-huh, The reason why Abed does all the dice rolling is that because when Dan Harmon played D&D, that's how his DM did it. Okay. And so he just thought that's what like that's how what everyone played D and D. That's um, fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I get this from a standpoint of like, if you really wanted to focus on like the acting portion mm, of it, sure. Having the DM be like the sole arbitrator of like successes and failures, and like you know, it's it's more like a computer game where like all the numbers happen sort of invisibly. Yeah, you're playing then, Zork. Yeah. And then, you know, you get told if you're a success or, or failure. But also, it's real damn fun to be like, I'm going to roll, I'm going to cast Fireball and then pick up a big thing of like eight, six sided dice and just toss them. And then, like, you hear that sound. It's so good. I wouldn't yeah. want to not roll dice. Yeah. I, there, now, this is not a D&D specific one, but I started uh, before, uh, before Chris, on Christmas Eve, me and my wife played Sagrada. Um, which has a is a dice drafting game, and boy, you grab you grab a number of dice out of a bag and you just roll them. Oh, it's so choice. Rolling dice is fun. It Rolling rules. dice is kind of not probably not the best part, but it is definitely a great part of D anD. It is very good. You want me? To, so, are we doing initiative? Let's go. And 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 the DM's like, no, you. You you you're in a tavern. You're talking to the bar. Is there initiative? Can I roll for something? So uh, Shirley is like, okay, well, I'll start. Um, and she introduces herself. She is a dwarf named Zippity Doo. And Abed says, look, I'm not the best at making up names. He's which not. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> I love because I'm so bad at names like I this is this is the moment that I feel really seen by community because I've uh, again I've been playing D&D since sure. 2002 and I've been running games I think since 2003 probably it never fails where I'm like the the man walks up to you and takes off his his helmet coated in blood and sheathes his sword and he says Come with me if you want to live, probably, because I'm probably stealing mm. uh, from the Terminator. Sure, um, of course. And then, <laughs> Don't and then all people games be like, steal from the Terminator? People will be like, oh, thank you. By the way, my name is, and whatever the name, name of the character, what's your name? And I'm like, oh, crap. I didn't come. <clears throat> um, uh, uh, it's a really good name, I can assure you. Uh, 
Frankabold. 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 I'm Uh Frankabold the Great. This is how, in the game I ran for you, uh, there was uh, an NPC legitimately named Steve-a-Rooney. Oh, yeah, I remember (laughs) Steve-a-Rooney. Yeah, he ruled, if I remember correctly. Uh, He was pretty good. Um, Not as good as you literally bringing Taco into our game. From yes, TV. I, I mean, I I did I did do that, uh, but that was that was a little that was a little Easter egg for you, my friend. I think um, I think my wife yelled "fuck you" at you when you did that. Uh, she did, yes. Um, <laughs> that feels right for Stacy. <laughs> yes. Um, so <laughs> I I feel very seen by Abed being like, yeah, I'm really b- bad with coming up with names. Sure. Uh, because same same Abed, I feel ya. There are um, a few decent names in here, but Jeff, who is Mar, is not. Um, mm-hmm. Troy is Bing Bong the Archer. He's an archer and such. Annie is Hector the Well-Endowed, which Abed had designed with Troy in mind. I made that one with Troy in mind. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> uh, which, which is, do we want to pause and just kind of like acknowledge that? <laughs> just sit in that space uh it's very good uh is is all i have to say about that sure Um, uh shirley is lavernica or no i'm sorry uh, i miswrote uh britta is lavernica which is probably why i was like laverne and shirley of Uh course but that's what abed had intended but that did not work there's in-universe reasons why abed has chosen all these names and the only ones i can ever remember is that uh hector the well made he well obviously Hector sure. the well endowed um but he made Lavernica for Shirley because of Laverne and Shirley mm-hmm. and he uh also the the character Bing Bong is from uh Troy's political rap where he's like Bing Bong sing along sure okay yeah I can see that so like there's in-universe reasons for all these names but I can never remember any mm-hmm. of them the and show then, is this show is too clever for me. I'm I'm left behind. <laughs> I'm streets behind. Uh, that's true. Uh, an arrow flies through the air and nearly hits one of them. This is when an encounter with goblins starts. Six of them run at the group with daggers. Troy tries uh, attacking them with his additional notes, uh, which is un- ineffective. Mm-hmm. It has no effect because additional notes is a thing on a piece of paper. Britta suggests that maybe. These are their lands. And so in their eyes, we're the intruders. Everyone uh, groans. Everyone to, groans. Troy literally calls Britta the AT&T of people. <laughs> Honestly, to me, this is when Britta kind of like turns a little bit too much. Just she can't she can't let it go. And then she kind of turns a little bit more into the the Britta is the worst kind of the way that she'll end up going I mean, soon. From a from a D and D standpoint, I think someone who has a very clearly social justice mindset of like, this is my character, I want to like, you know, be cognizant of all of these things, like I think that works as a character motivation. Sure. Um, I don't disagree yeah. with that. It's it's all a discussion about where the group is going to go. And when the group is all groaning at her and being like, we're just trying to play a game. It's, it's true. It's a miscommunication can, of uh, desires. In in an actual D&D campaign, if someone was like, this is my character, I'd be like, fine. In a, in a one shot where I'm like, I'm trying to prevent Neil from killing himself. Mm-hmm. Maybe keep it at home, Britta. <laughs> 
keep it in your justice pants, Britta. Keep it in your justice pants. Mm-hmm. I like wearing my own justice pants. They're very comfortable. It's important to have a good, comfortable pair of justice pants. Oh, but you know what sucks when you get a hole in them? You got to find a new pair of justice pants. They're very difficult to get the right sizing on. Uh, sure. I don't. Yeah, this joke had no <laughs> legs, and I'm trying to make it. Uh, you're trying to put some legs in those justice pants. I get it. Oh, trust me. I got enough leg for these justice pants. And now I don't know what I'm doing. Jeff throws a knife at the, uh, at the goblins, knife style, mm-hmm. and manages to hit one. And he's like, what am I not good at? Which Britta replies, sex. Which... <laughs> I'm back on Britta's side now. Yeah, no, like, yeah, Britta, Britta, Britta got me back we've, on her we've side. Come, we've come back around. I'm on Britta's side again. Mm-hmm. That, that's a great comeback. Uh, Neil draws his sword of Duquesne. Uh, I believe it's a plus three sword of Duquesne. I might it's have. It's a plus three. Mm-hmm. That's pretty dang good. It's pretty good. He attacks in a 180 degree arc, slicing the throats of three goblins, and the rest run away. I didn't see Abed roll anything here. Uh, I didn't take any specific note about him not rolling, so I don't know. It, it does feel like whenever Neil does a thing, it's like, it's going to be the coolest possible thing. No rolling. Don't worry about it. Which, yeah, but you at least, fair. You at least got to fake it. You got to roll that thing and like hide the roll and be like, oh, yeah, it was a 19, baby. You did. Yeah. Oh, man. It's a it's a super critical. I've never seen this before. Somehow, too, it landed on 40. <laughs> uh yes okay. just like that For, he will 40, he will definitely a, believe that 40 a classic number on a d20 everyone's like yeah neil you did it and britta immediately overplays her hand uh as she is wont to do because she's like what would we have done if you didn't exist and even even jeff is like whoa, 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 whoa. don't tone it down a little bit <laughs> dial it back <laughs> <laughs> i do appreciate that you are also agreeing with me on the overplaying of hands it's very it's very true well, since since you pointed that out, because I'm I'm on Team Britta a lot of the sure. time. I love I love Britta. She's great. But you are absolutely right in the fact that she is just like, okay, I've got a good hand. I've got, you know, we're we're playing poker or whatever. I've got like three of a kind. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, pretty good. Not not the best, but like pretty good. And she is all of all of a sudden just like all in and shoves all of her chips right in the middle tries to sound really cool while she's doing it then it blows up in her face sure um, because somebody had a flush because somebody yeah exactly um but yeah you're right i think that's a good reading of britta because it's not that she's always wrong it's that when she's right she is too confident (laughs) she is like I am right about one thing, and therefore I'm right about the seven things next to that one thing. It's like, probably not. (laughs) Probably not, Britta, but thank you for playing. This is when everyone seems to be getting a chill. And I believe there's even a sound effect of a cold wind, uh, because Pierce is leaning into the room, staring at them. And he's like, what's going on here? And they're just like, we're just... Just playing some Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, Pierce calls it, among other things, stupid and wonders why it was a secret from him. And they're like, uh, we must have forgotten you. And he, and Whoopsie he, doodle. And he doesn't accept that, uh, forcing Neil to get out of his chair because he's, quote, stretching it, end quote. Yeah, he 
really leans into the calling Neil fat this whole time. He calls oh, yeah. Neil fatty and and you know things like that yeah pierce is like Um, putting on a real villainous turn here he sits down and he's like all right i want to play and then abed's like well we i don't have a character for you and Pierce's like i don't need a character i just want to (laughs) play Abed's like i'm pretty sure you do Uh, so anyway, uh, the goblins retreat and Abed tells everyone they see a 67 year old naked man with no weapons. His name is Pierce Hawthorne. Uh huh. He has no weapons. He's lying in the wet grass shivering. In about 13 turns, he will die of exposure. Jeff. I wait 14 turns. <laughs> it's the best, <laughs> the best reaction to that. Oh, um, it's. It's very good. Neil takes a more diplomatic or a more uh, more humanitarian approach. I'll put it that way, I guess. Um, he goes over to the naked man and gives him his cloak. Uh, Pierce says that Duquesne is a dumb name and goes to take his sword. And Abed rolls a d20 and says, uh, the d20 says yes. Pierce now has Duquesne's sword. So he has this plus three sword that... Uh Neil spent 10 years and 50 campaigns to get, uh, which that's five campaigns a year. That is, uh, that's a lot of D and D, just, just throwing that out there. Um, that's true. But you know, when you're in high school and community college, I mean, it's true. When I was in a real university, I was <laughs> okay. Dean, uh, huh. there were, ta- there were semesters where, just because so many people had games they wanted to run and I had so much free time. There were times when I was like, I was in three games at a time and it was great. And I miss those days because mm-hmm. I don't know what I would do with that much free time now. Uh, it probably wouldn't be D and D, but I'd love the free time to just do like one D and D game. Sure. That would rule. Yes. Um, as it is, I was in one and I had to, uh, drop it just because I was like I did I I was lacking in time for other things. Yeah, I'd loved I'd love to be in that many D and D games again. Give me give me I mean three is a bit much. Give me two. I'll play I'll play in two a week. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Maybe we all just need to retire and create a and D. Oh oh, actually I have a decent idea here. Um, okay, we have a D and D retreat house. Once okay. ever again, this is once everything blows over on the outside, of course. Um, mm-hmm. but there's mm-hmm. a D and D retreat house. Each you, you are the main DM of the house and mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. run, you know, for, uh, some people come out on vacation or whatever and they get their whole D and D group and they come in and, and they're there for two whole weeks. And then you run an entire campaign for them in two weeks. Then we take a break for about a week. Cause that's a lot. And that's then we lot. get, we mm-hmm. get another group in. And then now it's not just you run playing D and D. It's we have a business. Uh, that sounds cool. My problem is, is that uh, in the past when I have played with strangers, uh, they tend to be more on the Pierce Hawthorne side of things and less on the Neil side of things. Sure, but if they're paying um, money, if they're paying money, it means I can't kick them out because that's my mm. that's how I make my my living. They show up and they they steal swords and rub it on their balls and be like, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, yeah, mm, that's fine. You do that thing. Th- that mm, That's a good point. Like, how do mm-hmm. you, you'd have to pre, you'd have to, you'd, you'd basically have to screen people 
Like, give me so three D and D references, work. and then that's but, so much see, work. But see, we at this point, you and I are in on this together. I can do the pre work of screening people. You just DM. I'll I'll make the calls and be like, boop 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 boop. boop. Hi, uh, uh, Germison. Hi, uh, I'm also bad at make up names, by the way. <laughs> uh, Mr. Germison. Um, uh, we have a uh, John Jacob here. Uh, uh, not Jingleheimer Schmidt. No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. Why would you? Uh, no, your friend you John idiot. Jacob. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm an idiot. Uh, I've got your friend John Jacob here. I would love. I'm, I'm asking for a reference for him. Oh no, not for business, but for D and D. You hung up on me 15 minutes ago. I didn't call, but two minutes ago. Excellent. Thank you for your time. This this sounds great. Uh, the 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 biggest failing point is that you, Mike would have to dial a telephone and talk on it. I ha- no, I know this sounds weird, but I have done it in the past. <laughs> Pierce gets the cloak. He gets the sword. He runs off into the woods. We find out that the cloak was an elven cloak of windwalking, which uh, provides double speed. So he runs off with the sword into the forest. There's no way to catch up with him because mm-hmm. he's moving twice as fast. Yeah. Neil is Neil laments the loss of his sword. Like you said, 10 years and 50 campaigns. Uh, so Pierce, much D and D and Pierce is like, Oh great. I might wipe my ass with it and throw it off a cliff. And this is uh, Neil starts tearing up a little bit. Jeff kind of blows up at him and Pierce is like, I can't hear you over the sound of me rubbing the sword on my balls. And Abed rolls the die and is like, yep, <laughs> he sure does roll, r- rub the sword all over his balls. I, I and love, Jeff's like, I love Abed's stop delivery helping him. because he's like, you have, and he rolls and he look, he gets this real concerned look on his face. He's like, successfully rubbed your balls on the sword. Come back and give Neil his sword. I can't hear you over the sound of me rubbing his sword on my balls. Pierce, you! You have successfully rubbed your balls on the sword i do appreciate like, that jeff is like stop helping him you're supp- get, just give him the sword back and abed's like i have to be impartial or the game has no meaning and i'm like me personally i'm like i mean you know i mean so it's how you run the D&D, game i suppose D corner over here so w- way back in like original editions of dungeons and dragons there was this real sort of like uh a lot of uh, a lot of folks refer to it as a Gygaxian sort of uh, mentality. Uh, the creator, Gary Gygax. Mm-hmm. So there was, there was a real... Uh, uh, the, the Gygaxian sort of uh, style of running Dungeons & Dragons was this real sort of DM versus the players thing. It was like, as a DM, I want to do... like. I, I do want the players to win because that's how the, the the campaign keeps going. But I need to treat this as though I want to crush them under my boot because mm-hmm. it is me against them. And the challenge that I provide is what provides the enjoyment of the game. Sure. And over the years... Kind of a Dark it, Soulsian look at it. Yes, I would say. yes, exactly. Over the years, we are now in sort of an era where a lot of games, um, a lot of non-D&D games specifically, but even D&D is sort of bending in this direction, where it is more of a collaborative storytelling piece. So uh, under that sort of idea, it would be less about 
the DM being a neutral participant who exists solely to arbitrate rules and create scenarios, they would try to facilitate a more cooperative storytelling. Sure. And so under under that sort of mentality, Abed could absolutely be like, hey, Pierce, you are being a dick. I'm not going to allow this in my game. Here's what happens to you. And, you know, it is a little bit metagamey because like, oh, uh, you know, rocks fall off a cliff and crush you to death and you're you're dead now. So bye. Like, sure. It, it is a little bit more metagamey in that respect. But I think most games are, are really bending toward that arc. So Abed is, is kind of sitting here in the middle as, uh, you know, kind of between those, those two extremes where he feels that being a totally neutral participant is the way one might uh, facilitate that fun. Sure. Um, and the thing is that there's no real wrong way to do it. As long as everyone at the table is having fun, it is just his his take on the necessity of being a totally neutral participant is the thing that's wrong. It is right. not it is not inherently a necessity for a DM to just be like, I exist as a secondary rule book right. uh, and judge of that rule book. Like it is not the Supreme Court. It is a table of friends having fun. Uh, plus Pierce. <laughs> it's true. No, I, I started laughing when you said plus Pierce, but it's absolutely a fr- group of friends plus Pierce. So yeah, so that, that's my take on Abed's that's uh, neutrality stance. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's, I mean, of course, every DM has its own way of doing it, but I do think that the DM being impartial or the game has no meaning is such an absolute that just is not true. Um, right. Which you've you've more eloquently said, so we could probably move on. Uh, I I will say I've I have certainly had way more fun in games when I am a more active participant to try to foster collaborative storytelling than being a neutral participant. Right, uh, and I've never really done the whole Gygaxian side of things because like that just that's not my thing that sounds awful i've been on the other side of that and it's not fun to play in in my experience no i can imagine that is not a very fun and i think i think it's just a a, like i was kind of alluding to earlier it's about you know who's at the table and what they're expecting and what they're looking for out of the game and i think that those discussions are important and i think they may not have been really codified until we started getting into more of the recent stuff. Cause you said right. Gygaxian is very like almost confrontational to right where there is a collaboration, like you said, is bending towards that. And I think, I think it is how it like the collaboration about what they are looking for from a game is also a very important point. Right. I mean, cause you know, it, the, the whole Gygaxian, uh standpoint uh you know there's a there's a very long tradition of that being what D was about and there are people who absolutely love that because they will try to build characters as overly powerful bending the rules to their maximum extent while not specifically breaking them to really just screw up the dm's day with everything that they have planned and you know, like if that's if that's your bag, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna dump on that. Like 
that's a totally legitimate way to play if everyone is is okay with that at the table. Sure. Whereas I have definitely I'm definitely not that. I mean, I was running a D&D game and um Sarah just totally obliterated an entire combat I had because she got a really good sneak roll. She took out this uh she's smiling at me from the other room. She <laughs> got a really good sneak roll. She assassinated this like uh little uh uh, mini dragon that like basically the first turn it was going to summon a bunch of other things and she just took it out and then she was like i'm i'm so sorry and i'm like well no you had fun like yeah like that's it's not about me trying to best you it's like i gave you a cool thing to do and you did a really cool thing and you had fun and everyone at the table got to like high five you and we all had fun mm-hmm. and it changes and the story that you're about to go on because exactly, you know, like you were able to defeat it before you, you triggered X amount of thing to happen. So I think that's right. That's a fascinating way of kind of, you know, it, it is improv plus storytelling is what I always think of D and D. Um, and I think it's a really fascinating way to, to play. Right. Anyways, uh, Pearson, Abed, we're going to get off on some weird D and D tangents on this one. I can guarantee. Yes. I mean, because I don't want to talk about the other things going on in this episode. So fair enough. Pierce and Abed and Jeff have this sidebar um, where they, they go outside and Jeff's like, look, that kid is severely depressed and Pierce doesn't give a crap. He's still making fun of Neil's weight and just being a jerk. Um, and Pierce is like, look, I just don't like being excluded. Do you? And Jeff's like, Yes. <laughs> it is it is clearly like i don't want to deal with any of this i just want to go home and drink scotch jeff would rather not be playing dungeons and dragons right now uh and i i get that like that's a legit choice too dnd is not everyone's uh kind of thing jeff is like now go back in that room give him his sword or you are out of the study group and pierce is just like no i'm tired of being pushed around like this this relationship with pierce really comes to a head over this dnd yeah. game um well it's it i mean it is about the dnd game but it is more about the uh, the continual lack of being included which is right i mean it's it's i can see it being a defensible position if you are feeling upset about being excluded from things the actions about the reactions to it are not um defensible i don't think Although also just like on a personal note, like I tend, I, I really don't like running D and D games with more than like five players in it. And so at some point, like if there's a lot of people who went in, you got to exclude somebody. And that's always a real tough conversation to have. Sure. Um, that's why I'm the cool though, Jeff roll. And I'll be like, if not, you don't want, if, if, if you got too many people, I guess I'll stand back. Uh, even though that's not what this argument's about, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> Abed says that this this is fine, but because Pierce is now against the group and he, and his character has run off into the forest, uh, Abed needs to separate Pierce from the rest of the group. Uh, they come back into the study room without Pierce, and Jeff is just immediately like, Pierce refuses to give back that sword. Our new goal is to find him and kill him. And Neil is clearly not having fun he is just like i just want to go home Mm -hmm. like and jeff's like no we'll get the sword back um and jeff uh, asks uh if there's a way to go faster than pierce with the cloak and neil's like maybe if we had a pegasus and jeff's like i 
I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. <laughs> Everything in this game is silly to me. Uh huh. Which um, is fair and funny. <laughs> funny for him to have said. Um, and Jeff's like, or uh, Jeff asks Abed, if that's sarcasm, I can't tell because everything in this game is silly. Um, Abed, can we get a Pegasus? I can't give you information like that. Well, there's got to be a town nearby. We will go to that town and ask around about a Pegasus. Huzzah! <laughs> it's like, well, okay, you're thinking like in how- portals. I like how Jeff is suddenly like into the game because now he is like, screw Pierce, let's go kill him. I'm suddenly in this now. Let's yeah. go find a town. Uh it's good stuff. Yeah. Um We get a little bit of a narrator driven montage about people walking. It's true. Uh that has definitely happened to me in uh D games, both that I have run and both that I've been in, where it's just like the dm doesn't know what to do so well let's let's talk about walking for a bit while the dm figures something out <laughs> it's uh it's a time-tested tool time tested uh, just like me um <laughs> i mean i guess you're right so they do eventually find a town they show up at a local elf tavern uh although all races are welcome mm-hmm. um beleaguered gnomes hurry to and fro with mead and britta immediately is like beleaguered why are they beleaguered and everyone's like who cares <laughs> see again this is a group dynamic of expectation of game that's all i'm saying uh-huh because yeah again totally totally legitimate uh and, and probably a really cool arc. hook to kind of dive into yeah yeah like let's let's flesh out the world a little bit maybe not in like a pre-written module i i don't think most pre-written D modules are like here's why the gnomes are beleaguered in this no, world and if y- sure if britta wants to go off and fix the gnome slavery problem wow like, it says britta in here specifically it calls out britta by oh britta's in this so uh, <laughs> excellent well well done Uh, Uh, but yes like if you if you're just like you know what screw the module we'll do this let's go this way or if you do a homebrew or something like that uh uh-huh look i mean i hesitate to even bring this up but like when you're when you're making your own stories some some weird some weird crap happens i was running an exalted game once where my players uh got sharks addicted to drugs <laughs> so that they would take out uh drug boats mm-hmm. uh to disrupt uh the economy of a town um they called it shark fleet so Nate who was listening to this would be remiss if I did not call out shark fleet specifically uh, and Shark Fleet was definitely against what they dubbed Boat Squad. Uh, sure, I mean that's a that, good, good names. I agree. It was yeah. So that was it, it. Gets it gets wild, but things things can go places when it's not a pre-written module. I don't think there's a line that's like if Britta asks about why the gnomes are beleaguered, uh-huh. tell her this. Now I will um, say this: I do not think there is a portion of the module that explains how the elf maiden later has sex with Hector the Well Endowed. Oh, I I don't know. That's probably in there. It's fine. <laughs> uh, it's true. I haven't read a whole lot of modules, but it could D- be D and D nerds are horny. It's fine. 
I mean, so, that's the precursor to sex, right? D&D? Uh, sure, why not? Uh, worked for me. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so the, the gnome, one of the, the uh, beleaguered gnomes that Jeff tries to ta- talk to is like, Argo, bargo, 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 because he only speaks gnome. And the only player, the only character in the entire group that mm-hmm. speaks gnome is Britta. Of course. And she is immediately like, how can I help you? Like, what, what has, what has happened here? Um, you know, she's, she's immediately like, let's free all these beleaguered gnomes again in a game that is about trying to get Neil to not kill yeah. himself. And, and that she's trying to insist that she's not better than the gnome waiter. And the gnome waiter's like, but you're five levels above me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh yes and so <laughs> it's it's so clearly to me is like abed just being like please don't please please let's just move forward i don't want to well, talk about this and so jeff is like will you just ask the stupid gnome where to get a pegasus and then the the gnome is like ah did someone say pegasus a word i understand in every language <laughs> that is abed trying to move the plot forward it's without true. even trying to hide it it's he's not just even, like yeah <laughs> we we need to get this stupid crap done let's okay fine uh let's let's get britta to shut up for a moment so they can talk about the pegasus i understand the word pegasus in every language what what word would you choose to know in every single language mike bathroom oh yes very good very good actually i was waiting it's for funny. a bad answer it's it's funny but also very useful because i need uh-huh. to know where the bathroom is I was waiting for a bad answer, and then you gave maybe the best answer. I o- I almost went with pizza, mm-hmm. which would also be good. not a okay. So if we we're going bad answers only, <laughs> bad answers okay. Only. Basketball. I would go with butt. So oh, that's a better one. Dang it. Uh huh. Ah uh, well listener which one would you which word would you like to know in every language bad answers only bad answers only tweet uh, at back to wait tweet at good morning greendale good greendale what's the name of this thing good greendale so we get a quick cut over to pierce garrett is hauling in a bunch of D books and he's like this is all the D stuff i could find uh it's super heavy i had to haul it all from my car and uh, his in in exchange, he gets a Snickers bar, which it it, it looks it definitely had the look of a Snickers bar. It might have been Greeked, but to- Pierce tosses it out into the hallway as a very degrading reward. Look, I like a Snickers bar as much as the next guy, but like you can just go get one of them from like the candy machine. Like screw Pierce and his his Snickers bar. Like go go to the, go down to the Safeway. It's like a buck. It's true. And since we're in Colorado, uh, wait, would he would he not go to the King Supers? He could go to King Supers. Yeah, okay, why not? Cool. <laughs> he might run into the weird Just aluminum watch, guy. Watch out for the aluminum guy. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for bringing that and, up. And, and those of you who are not American, <laughs> uh, thank you for referencing how we say aluminum. Because I believe you say aluminium. aluminium. Yeah. So, so we've said uh, it both ways for everybody now uh so we cut <laughs> you're like to... i don't want to talk about the aluminum guy nope, we're moving on we're moving on from the aluminum guy 
We cut to a field full of pegasi. They are guarded by a majestic elf maiden who seems drawn to Mar. Which, again, is Jeff's character. Yes. Uh, Jeff, who is basically out of character, is like, okay, so I explain why we need this pegasus. And and Jeff, and Abed's like, well, the elf maiden flirts with you. And Jeff is immediately very uncomfortable with trying to flirt with fake lady who is played by Abed. I mean, um, fair. My See, I was going to say it's really weird, but honestly, I don't have shame. The only reason why... I would not do well at this is because I'm bad at flirting in real life. So I don't know how to flirt with elf maidens in fake life. Sure. I'd be like, sup? (laughs) I hear you like necklace as you, uh, you come here often and she'd be like, uh, I, I guard these pegasi. I live here. Literally my job. Uh, um, those are some cool ears you got. Swipe right. Elf. I, you get what I'm saying? No, you would. You don't have Tinder in this one. Okay. Um, uh, well, bye forever. <laughs> <laughs> but Jeff, Jeff tries. He's like, you know, I don't usually do this, but you're the most beautiful creature I've ever seen. And then he's like, look, Abed, I just, I can't. And Annie, in one of the defining moments of this whole episode, yes, is well, like okay, yes, one of the good defining moments the in this whole episode. Important note: uh, Annie is like, okay, look, I'll take her by the hand, lead her into the stable. She introduces herself. I'm Hector the Well Endowed. Um, takes her into the stable. Uh, Tears off a bit of uh, uh, Hector's shirt and like makes a blindfold. And then there's this whole sex montage Mm -hmm. where she is describing in great detail with pantomimes of various sexual things. Yes, there is some turning over and patting. I'll put it that way. There's there's some there's some boob groping. There is Annie pulling out Hector's massive hog mm-hmm. and just flopping it right down there on the table. Gotta flop it down. I I mean, it looked heavy enough from the way she pantomimed that. So like, oh boy. I don't think there's another way to do that. Everyone else at the table is staring in some sort like Shirley is disgusted and Troy is literally taking notes <laughs> and everyone else is just like, uh, holy crap. And then uh, at the end of all of that, she's like, Okay, great. I stroke her hair lovingly and spoon her for the appropriate amount of time before leaving. How long is that? Because <laughs> he's still taking notes, and I love that. Yeah, it's good. Like, I mean, if she's going to go this deep into it, you might as well. That's what she said. Uh, oh, nice. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, more more power to Troy. Mm-hmm. You know, And, and he, good on Annie uh, for, uh, good on Abed for yes ending, and good on Annie for being very specific in describing what she's doing. Mm-hmm. It's a very good thing to do in D and D. Usually, not around sex. You, yeah, depends. Depends on the group. Um, Fair enough. It's about group expectations, like I've been saying. Regardless, this sex montage gets them a flock of pegasi. Mm-hmm. Abed's like, everybody, go take a break, which totally needed at that point, I think. And he goes and checks on Pierce. I think some people at that table need a cold shower after that, or um, if they partake, a cigarette. 
Pierce is now in his other room, sitting on what I called the safety cone throne. Uh huh. I call it Pierce's lair. He's got a lair uh, with a throne going on. It's a whole thing. Uh, Abed comes in and uh, he's like, "Well, uh, what do you do now?" And he, Pierce, lets out an evil cackle and is like, "Oh, so many things, Abed." He like has a glass of red wine too. It's very oh, yeah. funny. He's living his best evil D and D life. It's very good. Abed comes back into the room with Pierce, and he's like, "Okay." Pierce is back because while soaring above the forest, you spot a body uh, in an elven cloak lying in the field. And they go land, and there's a body in a pool of blood. The Sword of Duquesne is there. And they're like, ha-ha, got it. But they flip him over, and it's not Pierce Hawthorne. It's the gnome waiter from the tavern from before. Mm -hmm. His name is Kyle. He reveals in a very, (laughs) very touching moment as he dies in Britta's arms. And Britta and Kyle have a moment. And Jeff's like, he is an imaginary waiter. And I'm all I have here is come on, Jeff. Be cool. This is a dramatic beat. Play Mm -hmm. in the space. This is a dramatic beat in the story. You've met two characters. Just... (laughs) The fact that there's this moment to have it all with the amount of characters you've met, have the moment. Oh my goodness, Jeff, stop it. Je- Jeff just hates fun. So. It's true. He'd rather be drinking scotch at home. It's true. Which is so, also fun in its own way. Pierce says, now. And then Abed describes the sound of wings beating off in the distance. Uh, some screeching from draconis he has mm-hmm. risen from above the uh, from below the horizon he's now in the sky mm-hmm. we and then we cut a- to a little flashback of of pierce describing what he wants to do um he has poured over the uh the uh draconis uh module he has found that uh, in this there is a, a pond that has an amulet, and that amulet allows the wearer to control Draconis. And Draconis, an all-powerful red dragon, crashes through the trees with Pierce controlling through the amulet. He is still buck naked, He though. is still buck naked. He has not prioritized getting any kind of clothes. I mean, look, I've done the naked bike ride many times. I've never done a naked dragon ride. That that sounds pretty legit. So it it does honestly. At that point, I would not be worried about people being like, "Ha ha, he's naked!" Oh my god, it's a dragon. Uh huh. Like if they've got problems with it, I'm on a dragon, yeah. baby. Like uh, for for any inquiries or concerns, please remember that I'm riding a dragon. <laughs> Thank you for uh, your time. Please email any complaints to draconis at draconis.org. Um, wow, you got the .org. That's pretty impressive. You got the .org. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I am going to just double check to see if that is a domain name that is available. Uh, I will probably not buy it. Um, <laughs> uh, draconis.org. Searching. Uh, draconis.org is taken. Ooh. <laughs> see? What happens if I go to draconis.org? 
there is nothing on draconis.org, mm. but it is it is a domain name that is purchased. Um, I could uh, get draconis.host. Okay. Draconis.biz. Oh, yeah. There it is. There that was what I was hoping for. Draconis.llc. Hmm. <laughs> Welcome to our new limited liability company, Draconis LLC. He's, he's no longer he's no longer a nonprofit. He is now a limited liability company. Uh, and for his podcast, go to draconis.audio. Um anyways, Tr- a tremendous. Yes, Pierce has this amulet. He's riding the dragon naked. Um he makes Abed say a prepared line uh, which is Draconis shouting, Pierce Hawthorne is my master. Prepare to meet your doom. And as Jeff runs toward Pierce uh, with the uh, Sword of Duquesne that he has picked up off of mm-hmm. his dead body, Pierce shouts, time stop, because Draconis has a bunch of spells, and so now everyone is completely frozen. Mm-hmm. Jeff's like, fine, I give up. Kill us all just in this. And Pierce is like, uh, just like any good villain in any kind of media is like, killing is too good for you. He's got a monologue for a bit. That's that's classic villain 101. Exactly. He's he's playing into it. He ends up casting uh, shape change on Duquesne to make him as fat as Neil is and causes Neil to start crying. And Pierce taunts him into crying more. Which yeah. real dick move. I mean, they call him Pierce the Dickish at the beginning of this, and it's not without precedent. It's true. Uh, Pierce tells uh, Neil why they brought him here and why Jeff, of all people, wants to make Neil feel better. Jeff coined the name Fat Neil, and it stuck. I do like the Lord of the Rings throwback line, because he's like, Don't you know why Jeff Winger, of all people, Led the charge on the Fat Neil Feel Good Committee? Way over the line, Pierce. I'll tell you why. Because I was there. It's very good. It's very um, good. Um, yes, we get a we get a flashback. Uh it is Jeff Winger saying, Oh yeah, they're down there by Fat Neil. Uh turns out Jeff coined the name Fat mm-hmm. Neil. I do want to point out that like Annie is literally crying right now. Like she's got a she's got a tear rolling down her oh, face. Yeah. Like everyone is just feeling this so is an much emotional emotion moment. Right now. Uh, Jeff offers to fix it by finding a fatter Neil. Um, and Neil is like, you couldn't have just called me like Neil and called the other one skinny Neil. Yeah, because he was standing near another Neil. The other Neil is. The other needle is black, and Jeff's like, I don't see the world through that lens. And then he's like, I should oh, hold on. I'm the bad guy here. It's yes. Like, uh, yes. <laughs> Correct. You could so, just say the Neils as if they're some kind of band. I'd listen to that. Pierce is like, don't screw with me and invite me to your crap. And uh then Neil asks if it's his turn, and Abed's like, Well, yeah, but I mean you can't move or anything. And so Neil is like, for my turn, I feel sorry for Pierce Hawthorne. Yeah, this kind of goes around the table, everybody pitying mm -hmm. him. And yeah, because Britta does it and then um, Shirley does it. And like everyone, one by one, just they use their turn to feel bad. Uh, And 
Pierce is just like, I don't care. I won. I won Dungeons and Dragons and it was advanced. It's a good, it's a good line. I like that line. It's dumb, but it's I like it. Good. It's at this point that Pierce decides he's done taunting them. And so he has Raconis unfreeze time. And then he's about to, to uh, do something else. And then Abed's like, well, wait, you used your turn on freezing time. It's Duquesne's turn. And so uh, Neil's character, Duquesne, throws the sword of Duquesne at the amulet around the naked man's neck. And it's a difficult shot. You'll need an 18 or higher. And then, and then the most dramatic dice roll I've seen on, on na- network television ever happens. And Abed rolls a d20. And it lands on 19. And everyone cheers. Everyone cheers. I will say that of all the D&D episodes of all the series I've watched with D&D episodes, this moment captures the essence of D&D more than anything, I think. Okay. Because every D&D game has had at least one moment where it's like, boy, howdy, everything is looking rough. We need just a really good roll. Somebody rolls again, not usually the DM uh, because everyone has their own dice. <laughs> sure. This is the Dan way that Harman. Dan Harmon um, does it. They, they roll the die and then like it lands and then it's good. And everyone's like, yeah. And like everyone cheers. And it's like this great epic moment where everyone just feels real good. Mm-hmm. That is D and D at some of it, some of its finest. And in this moment I'm like, okay, yeah, this is like, I'm back in it. This is D and D baby. Like, absolutely i've lived to this moment yeah um so yeah real good job on on community's part for like really capturing that like excitement of getting a 19 yeah. when you needed an 18 or better on that thing and it was mm, so, it so was good. it was one of those kind of like moon shots of like th- this has got to work right because if if it fails uh draconis is gonna just eat the whole party like right but instead, the amulet is smashed and Draconis grabs Pierce in his jaws and swallows him whole. And Draconis thanks the the rest of the party for freeing him uh, by bestowing upon them his treasure. And there ends the adventure. Excelsior! Uh, yeah, I doubt most of that would be in an actual <laughs> module. But, you know, Abed rolled with it. Very good job. Um, this is why we could go deeper into the gnome waiter. The beleaguered That's gnomes. what she said. Um, <laughs> ha! Fair. <laughs> so after the game, uh, everyone everyone looks like they had kind of a fun time. I mean, uh, you get kind of... It's one of those sweeping shots where, like, it's not really focusing on anything. But, like, mm-hmm. you can see, like, Shirley and Annie, like, talking. And they're walking out with their character sheets in their hand. And, like, I think they had a good time. Yeah, it does seem like, like they had a good time. Um. Neil is Neil and Pierce are the last ones to leave. And as Neil's leaving, he stops and turns around and says, you know, that's the best game I've ever played. Would you want to play again next week? And Pierce is like, maybe. And Neil's like, cool. Okay. Well, I'll be around. And then the narrator returns saying Pierce saved the life of Neil while learning very, very little. And then the narrator turns out to be uh, the, the cleaning lady who's vacuuming up the floor. Um, 
uh, who looks nothing like the voice suggests. Mm-hmm. Uh, which because, is, you know, why not mm. throw another joke in there for basically, you know, no reason. Uh, then we go to the tag, which is Troy and Abed arguing whether they'd want big big ears or a tail walking into the study room. It's like, hey, what do you guys think? And it's not the study group. It is a group of, uh, it looks like middle-aged uh, women. Mm-hmm. That uh, I'll give their opinion, of course, but is not who he they meant for it to be. I do like how they just play into like, well, they asked, so sure. Uh, here's my take on this the the tail end of this argument. Yeah, they're just like we're studying, but you know, a tail's uh-huh. pretty good. Why not? Let's let's do this. Yeah. Um, it's an okay tag. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but that means it's the end of the episode, and that means that it is time for great. So again, this this was really weird in that this was my first episode of Community ever. Um, as a as a person coming from outside the community fandom and watching it, there's so much interpersonal stuff going on that if you're just watching it for the D and D content, it's a mediocre episode. But as an episode of Community, um. And I, I will say this with a, a big giant asterisk of like, you know, we, we I'm specifically grading th- this sort of altered version that we created where we have just edited Chang out of the episode. Um, that's that's the big asterisk because uh, to, to paraphrase uh, one Reverend, Reverend Lovejoy, uh, this episode uh, is short answer A with an F. Long answer, F with a but. I feel like that's sort of how I have to grade this episode because um, I think all the content that is not problematic <laughs> is good. I mean, as it, it is certainly one of the best D&D episodes I've ever seen. The, the little Dan Harmon oddity of like Abed rolling all the dice uh, aside, it is you know, pretty, pretty close to it, like a and d game. I mean, you always get like the player who's like, no, I really want to focus on talking to the gnomes and like, sure. you got to find out why we got to find out why they're beleaguered. We got to do something about like, forget the rest of the quest. These gnomes are beleaguered. And, you know, so I think that's a really true aspect. I think that like, we got to roll an 18 or higher and it comes up a 19 and everyone cheers. Like, you know, there's some real, like, legit D&D sort of moments sure. in this. That part of the episode is so good. You know, the the anti-bullying sort of stance of, like, you know, not, not only is it, like, man, we as an entire school, uh, because, like, in that opening montage, one of the teachers literally calls him Fat Neil. Yes. Like, it's not joking when it says the joke became his life. And so that sort of anti-bullying stance of like, okay, like for me who, you know, I am not a fat person. I might be like, Oh yeah. You know, it's mean to like call someone that like, I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be flippant about it. Like, I understand that's not a 
good thing to call somebody, but it doesn't affect me to sure. that same level. And that sort of look at like, oh, being the butt of every joke um, sure. about his weight wears him down so much that like it's this thing. And in, in the end, you know, it's not he's not feeling bad for himself anymore. He feels bad for Pierce because he realizes Pierce is the bully and bullies generally like bullies should be pitied. And then also that bit about like Jeff feels bad because he accidentally coined that term. Like I'm sure he wasn't thinking about it at the time. Sure. Right. It was just a thing he said. And now his, his life is fat Neil. Yeah. Um, it's insidious how that kind of works sometimes. There's, there's a lot of great stuff at play here in this episode. And so, um, short answer a with an F long answer F with a butt to once again, paraphrase my good friend, Reverend, Reverend Lovejoy. Mm-hmm, your um, good friend. My good friend. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's a lot of good in this episode uh, and a lot of bad in this episode. Yeah. So um, I am, I'm, I'm having a really hard time grading this episode. Um, I don't think I can grade it with the removal of Chang until that is a, unless they, like you said, they edit out those parts and it becomes the new canonical version of it without Chang or with Chang's part changed. Certainly his, you know, what he's wearing changed. Um, I don't think that I don't think until that happens, I can grade it in a position that looks at it at in any other way, because I know that is a, is a harmful thing. That is such a, such a small moment in this episode or set of moments in this episode that does it not need to be there. It really um, does not. It, in fact, the way that we cut one of them out of the episode, the way we described it, like you would never have known he was there be, except for mm. one or two moments. And I think that's just, it's almost indefensible. Um, that kind of lack of understanding and, and I recognize that they are to give them the a modicum of credit. They are trying, they are probably thinking they are making a statement, but I do not believe they are doing so. Um, and, I, and if they are, they are making it very poorly. Again, definitely listen to Welcome to Greendale on this. Now, once there is a canonical version of this episode that does away with the problematic aspects of Chang. Chang's portrayal in this episode. Similar to your F with a, you know what? I'm sorry, the, the uh-huh. good Revelin love, love joy. Uh-huh. Yes. So an, if, if for in the future, this episode does come back out or they re-release it without, and the canonical version no longer has Chang in it or Chang's, Chang's, entryway or exit into this is different and they they figure out a way to make that work then this is an a but until then i cannot grade it i don't believe i think i think the thing that gets me really angry about this is because it has such a great like 
it has such a great message behind it. And as somebody that's been bullied and sometimes for the weight, sometimes because I'm just a weirdo, um, as a kid, like it connects like that. I feel Mm -hmm. super seen sometimes with some of the things that they like react to fat Neil of like, Oh, we're making fun of him. We should probably like, I, it connects with me. And that's why I'm gets so angry because it, it, it feels like disconnected because it connects Mm -hmm. with one experience and just ignores the other one. If, if I could interject, uh, I, I, I think the way that I would sum that up is that this episode has a great message for, literally every white character in the show yes absolutely like like they because it's it's the white it's it's the the white characters who have redemption arcs and who have absolutely the the arc about being bullied and about being the bully all of that absolutely connects and i think is very well done right and you know not going to lie i have my own experience as a white man who has been bullied, who is a bigger guy. I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm obese. I'll put it that way, but it does connect with me. And that, but at the same time you see, you know, Abed is in service of this. He is literally trying to be, you know, an impartial judge. Like you said, like we discussed instead, he is being part of it, but he is also being kind of a mirror. Shirley and Troy basically do nothing. Mm-hmm. They do not, and they, you know, they don't really do much in the D&D part at all. Shirley does get to point out like a few things and react to things, but that's about it. So it is this episode is you're right. Absolutely about the white people in the episode, like who, who get great phenomenal storytelling. Like yeah. all, all, all the white people do. Yeah. In this episode. And it just, it's it's frustrating how it you know it it's very good community is supposed to me is is supposed to be a collection of people having their own perspectives and having them listen to um when i think of society and media often is white people's perspective being suggested as the normal perspective the white heteronormative etc and this episode is definitely part of that and I think that it is a disservice to the episode that it is so white centric, especially with you know, even if you cut out Chang, it is still white centric, like you men- mentioned. Yeah, I mean, um, I I do think that a lot of community episodes uh, do tend to lean a little bit that mm-hmm. way. I mean, we've we've talked in the past about sure. how there's a lot of episodes where Shirley is just kind of there. Yes, yeah, Shirley is just a completely underserved character. Troy basically exists as a react emoji. That's so, fair. you know, it's, it, it's not limited to this, to just this episode. That is also fair. That is a good point And something that I think is important to point out. Um, so yes, gradable. If it comes out in the future, knowing the flaws of even the stuff that remains, if, if it's cut probably an A from my perspective, um, but until then, I can't. I don't. I don't feel comfortable grading this as a. I don't think it should. I think it needs to be cut. I think that's. It just needs to be recut, re reimagined. That first part can be reimagined. My and it's so thought. doable too. Yeah. Like honestly, if if people aren't out there already doing that, like I should just do that. I've got some basic video editing skills. Yeah. Like I think it's totally doable. Like because I was I was specifically 
looking out for it on this rewatch. And it's totally doable to just remove those moments. And I'm not I'm I'm not going to suggest that we just pretend this never happened. Oh sure. But I agree with that. We have to this this is kind of a an important point of recognizing that, you know, media regardless of whatever form it takes can perpetuate things that we, you know, society's ills. And just because community is supposed to be you know, making a point about it, if it does it in a poor way, it still perpetuates harm. Anyways, uh, that is mm-hmm. our take. Um, which, Again, you know, listen to Welcome to Greendale. I think they well, probably... Listen, li- listen to that episode. I mean, I mean, I'm calling out that episode specifically because that is the episode that I re-listened to mm-hmm. to prepare for this episode. Um, you mentioned that to me, and I, but I just thought but, it was a really good discussion of the episode. But they were it, also it funny it's, and and it, knowledgeable about community as well. It is, yeah, it's it's a very good episode. But I do also want to stress: don't just listen to them. Like, sure, that's a good point. You know, take get get uh, a lot of other uh, perspectives from other community fans of color, because you know, I mean, the black people are not a monolith, like. But yes, it, it it's a it's a very it's a very good place to start. Yeah. Uh I think that'll do it for this episode. Yes, I think that that is a good place to cu- kind of cut it off. Uh we want to know what you think about D&D mostly. We most of this episode was me talking about D&D mm-hmm. and how I, I feel did about get it. a mention about the the aluminum guy in there again. So if you would just want to keep tweeting to us about the aluminum guy, that's also good. Uh-huh. No one has tweeted at me about the aluminum guy yet. Uh so. In fact, I now would demand some tweets about the aluminum guy. Okay. Well, I <laughs> know uh, you don't have to. You can do that by tweeting at good greendale. You can find us on the internet, on the old websites, the the webscape at goodmorninggreendale.com. The There's a contact form. You can send us an email. Uh, and uh, Patreon. We're on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash back to Futurama. I think that's it. I think that's, uh, I think this one's, this one's done. I think we can put it in the can of being done. I agree. Uh, so until next time, when we talk about some less problematic episodes of community, here's hoping, <laughs> uh, I mean, Pierce exists. So there's always <laughs> going to be a little bit. Um, yes. Yes, he does. Until next time. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. I, I wish, wish you, you luck. luck.